Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. Each episode, I speak with industry experts from the attractions world. On today's episode, I speak with Dominic Ray, Parks Director at Vectis Ventures. We talk about Black Gang Chine, the 180-year-old attraction, and Dominic shares his three top tips on transforming processes and developing superstar people. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on all the usual channels by searching Skip the Queue. Welcome to the podcast, Dominic. It's great to have you on today. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Everyone says that at the start and then I give them icebreaker questions and they hate me. (laughs) But this is how the podcast always starts, so you have to do them. Right. If you could enter the Olympics for anything, what would you be Olympic level at? And we're not talking, it doesn't have to be sports here. It could be like baking or olympic level <laughs> complainer uh anything anything goes what, what's your olympic level at i think i think i would actually answer the sports-based question answers to that okay. um i always when i was growing up wanted to play in the nba um basketball was a big passion of mine so i'd say i'd want to enter the olympics as a basketball player okay definitely and do you play now is this something that you are actually good at not so much now no no um I don't want to use the old adage if I got injured, but I did. Oh, no. That <laughs> yeah. just now. We'll, we'll never know if I could have made it or not. Right. Good one. Um, have you ever been mistaken for someone famous? Yeah, actually, yes. Uh, twice. Someone once said to me, I look like Joel Dormer. I think he's a comedian. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, and some of the team seem to think I look like Mark Wright. <laughs> I know this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so I saw the picture that Laura Baxter yeah. posted of you on LinkedIn. And yeah. I have to say, I, I did a second look, Mark. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'll take it. I think Mark writes the right looking chap. So could be worse, I suppose. Okay. All right. A final one. What one thing would you make a law that isn't already? I've got a good one for this. So if I could be in charge of laws... I would make it a law that nobody could just stop in the middle of the pavement and look at their mobile phone or walk upstairs with their mobile, staring at their mobile phone, and not actually looking where they're going. Because it just makes me want to swipe people's legs away. Because, they, you know, they just stop yeah, dead yeah. in front of you or they walk really slowly up the stairs. Yeah. That, that would be one of mine. I'd, I'd go with everyone needs to learn how to go through security at an airport. There's nothing more frustrating when you get there and the person in front of you isn't aware of how to go through and then you know there's a bit that delays the queues and yeah but i'd go with that one that's a really good one they get quite shouty the security people now don't they they when you're queuing up like they're they're shouting at you about your liquids and your jackets and and you take your belts off i'm like if i take my belt off my trousers are going to fall down i'm like not even halfway there yet (laughs) Mm, i like that one okay what's your unpopular opinion my opinion is that motorists ruin the road for cyclists (laughs) <laughs> which i'm sure will be incredibly controversial oh but yeah that's wow. my unpopular opinion this is gonna be a controversial one and i really want to know what you think about that this one listeners yeah i don't agree with you <laughs> <laughs> but you are you are a hardcore cyclist i'm, I'm gonna I i'm am, gonna guess I, am. I, I do pay my road tax you know drive a car myself um but yeah someone that very much enjoys road cycling um, yeah, that, that is definitely my viewpoint on on other motorists. For sure. I think there needs to be made room for both on the roads. There's not sufficient yeah. cycle lanes 
in areas where there should be sufficient cycle lanes. Although yeah. I live just outside Cambridge and Cambridge is pretty good for cyclists. Um, if this was me, I would ban cyclists from cycling through the city centre of Cambridge because the amount of times I've nearly been run over by cyclists in the city centre is, is, is quite a lot. That's I, will, gonna... I will say not every cyclist is, uh, is respectful of most receiver. It's a two way, two way street quite literally. So I do understand that. Yeah. I like this. Right. Okay. Listeners, what do you think about the unpopular opinion? I feel like I've just got myself in hot water with all my Cambridge cycling friends as well. As us. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be kicking off. We're, we're all in trouble. We're in trouble together, Dom. It's fine. Yeah. Right. Tell us a little bit um, about your background, because you have come into attractions, not from an attractions background. And I always find this quite fascinating how people end up within the sector. You've come from banking, right? Yes, yes. I started off my career when I left school selling houses um, and then I moved into banking after that. Uh, I used to work for Lloyds Bank and uh, one of my clients was our current HR director here, a lady called Paula. And uh, I used to see her every year. She'd come in, talk about this great place that she worked and all these fun projects she was working on and how, uh, how magical it was. And I remember sort of sat there thinking, gosh, your job sounds really interesting. And you're working on these varied projects and you're getting to experience loads of cool things. You know, she was talking to me about fireworks events and dinosaurs and cowboys and pirates. And I was thinking, oh, I'm saying talking about savings accounts and loans <laughs> and you know, all the boring stuff that, that comes to banking. Uh, and then one day I saw an advert in our, um, our local paper on the island for a park manager role for Black Gang Shine, which is the park that, um, that Paula works at. And I read through it and I thought, okay, yeah, I can, I can do this. It sounds like I, I, I've got the, uh, the skill set to do this, not really knowing anything about running a uh, visitor attraction at all. So off I went to the interview, got the job, and I thought, oh, great, yeah, if I can sell houses and I can run a bank, surely I could run a visitor attraction. It's just you know, taking those skills and applying them across into a different sector. Eight or nine years later, still here now, and a lot of a big learning curve along the way. <laughs> But yeah, not a traditional route into it, but uh, Black Gang on the island is a sort of very iconic visitor attraction. All the children on the island have been there, had very fond memories of coming here as a child. Um, And I just thought, wow, what an opportunity to wake up every day and go to work in a fun, magical place that's the complete opposite from the confines of a bank. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to back myself and (laughs) go for it and do it. So yeah, here I am. How weird is that, knowing that you went there as a child as well, and now you actually run the place that's yeah, that's massive yeah. isn't it yeah and there's lots of you know when I'm walking around there's lots of areas of the park that are still the same um and happened for many years and and they carry great sentiments or walking through certain areas and they hear certain sounds or certain smells in the park that takes you back to being a kid every day so it's quite quite a magical place to work really it's good that's really sweet and so what was that transition like because I, I I've just got this this vision of you kind of like rocking up on the first day and going right where do I start <laughs> Yeah, so on, on day one when I arrived, the um, gentleman who was doing the role beforehand uh, had left. So uh, I had a laptop, a set of keys, and they sort of off you go. And I was like, oh, wow. okay, right, I'm going to have to work this work this out, which I did. I was lucky enough to go to IAPA in Orlando, uh, and I went on a week-long training course, uh, management course there around park management of visitor attractions, which I think was really, really, um, really interesting, really useful. Gave me a great insight into the um, attraction space. And then I've, I've worked through that by learning about the various different departments and functionalities of the, of the business along the way. But it was a, was a big change for me to go from working for a large corporate company to moving to a family owned company. 
Um, Black Gang China's been owned by the same family for 180 years, which is the DeBell family. So it was a it was a big shift for me from having multiple layers of of people and it taking weeks to get a decision to just having to go and speak to one person as long as they say yes, you know, you're you're on your way. Um, so it was it's enjoyable working for a much more dynamic organization where you can pivot more quickly um and that was sort of one of the surprising things having come from a bigger company how quickly things can move and change but i think that's a real um a real positive uh for that yeah definitely i, I love that you did like a crash course you did like your crash your crash course your driver's yeah. course you know you can do those week intensive course. Yeah. you did your week's intensive course of being a part manager and that was it in into the job <laughs> in, in a way yeah <laughs> So what does your role cover then? Because you, I know you, you operate across two parks at the moment. So you've got Black Gang yep. China, you've got Robin Hill. What, what, how do you, what does that look like for you in terms of your role? So my role uh, sees me overseeing the parks and aesthetic position. Um, so I look after the business of the group as a whole. I was previously the park manager of Black Gang. Uh, and then over the last uh, 12 months transitioned to a new role of parks director, which sees me overseeing the group from more of a strategic position so everything from uh, opening calendars pricing strategy events that we're running health and safety um, you name it all falls under my under my remit within the business I love that I guess all of those things must have been the steep learning curve from banking where you you clearly a very senior role but probably not juggling quite so much in in a day Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost, uh, I liken it to running lots of micro businesses. You know, we've got a a retail business, food and beverage business, an events business, health and safety compliance element of the business. Uh, So yeah, lots of micro businesses within the the, the big business as a whole, really. Um, But yeah, the regulation from banking around strict processes and procedures does translate quite nicely into into business and also into health and safety as well. Yeah. And there's some of the things we're going to talk about today. So we've got three topics to cover, which I'm really interested in. We've got processes and systems. We've got peer learning that we're going to talk about. And then we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. people and team development. So what you just said there about what you brought, that's one of the things that I'm really interested in in terms of the processes and systems, because you've been through quite a, a transformative process in your organization with with kind of people and process actually yeah what what have you been able to bring from banking into the attractions world that's kind of helped you with those processes and systems uh, I, would, I would say i learned a lot from working in a bank uh one of the things was how not to do things i'd say uh in terms <laughs> of uh life in a bank is very black and white uh it's almost sort of a computer says no culture and that really taught me that actually in real business, you've got to operate a bit more in the gray. And it's much more around how can we actually make things happen and how can we do things rather than actually that's not possible. So I always say to team, great, well, how are we going to work around that? How are we going to make that possible? Um, so since I've joined the business, we've gone through quite a large transformation. Uh, it was It was fair to say that when I joined, the business was very much run in a, in a sort of historic family orientated way if we've always done it that way um that was a phrase i heard quite a lot when i first started this oh no we've we've done it like that because we've always done it that way and there's sort of a lot of okay who explained to me why we've done it that way and what's the approach to that um and then over the years we've moved into using far more digital systems so i'm i'm big on making sure the team can see at the various levels of the organization the bigger picture and i think that then helps them understand exactly what's going on in the business as a whole 
And I think that through digital automization of systems and processes, that really helps them do that. So, for example, on uh, the ride side of the fence, we call it Mabaro, which is quite a, a well-known safety system for our daily inspections. And that just gives far better visibility right away from the ride operator, the person checking the rides, to the duty manager, all the way up to our owner if he wants to go in on a day and see what's gone on at 10 o'clock before the, before the site opens. So it's really been around pivoting the organisation into becoming early adopters of technology and systems and processes. We've also uh, recently joined the LEAP scheme, which was quite a big jump for our industry to move away from a historical uh, scheme that had been in place for a number of years. And we were some of the first, well, one of the first parks to join that scheme. For our listeners, what is the LEAP scheme? What does that, what does that mean? So we have our rides basically inspected by an independent inspection body. Um, and LEAPS is the scheme that then oversees and checks off the regulation of those that inspection body in a sort of basic format. Um, but it had historically been done by a different organisation and LEAPS have come into the marketplace and taken a different approach to how that is done, um, which gives far more transparency to the operators and also the customers that are coming into sites to visit as well. But it was quite a big thing for us to say, OK, we're going to move away from that historic way of doing it. Yeah into a newer uh, newer way of doing things. But I think as a company, because we can make decisions quite quickly, um, we don't have a big gain of um, sign-off to go through. As a team, we can move quite quickly on things such as that as well. I, I really like that kind of transparent approach that you talked about, because it feels like that would help with kind of unifying the kind of organisational culture as well, because people have a bit more visibility about what's going on behind the scenes, so to speak. Yeah, and I, I think giving people the, the most amount of information you can give them within their job role and position within the organization that level of transparency just allows them to do their job better because if they understand what the key metrics that they're working towards and how they're performing and actually how the decisions they make on a day-to-day basis impact the bigger picture of how the attraction performs over a, a 12 24 month ongoing period that makes them feel much more empowered because then they can see actually i've made this change over here and that made an impact onto the bottom line over here. Yeah, absolutely. It gives people that sense of ownership about what they're doing as well, yeah. doesn't it? What, yeah, um, definitely. So what do you think have been the biggest transformations that you've been able to make over that over that period? I would say collaborative working. The organisation used to very much be, I look after food and beverage, I look after retail, I look after operations, and we don't talk to each other. Because right. that's, that's my lane. So those little micro companies just kind of like, they just, they worked in their little silos and didn't really talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas what we've done uh, across a number of years is change the structure of the way the parks run on a day-to-day basis. So each of the heads of those departments do take turns in doing duty management shifts. So that gives them uh, the opportunity to experience the park as a complete 360, interact with different departments, understand how other departments work and function. Most importantly, that gets them in front of customers in different areas of the business as well then that helps them understand, okay, in retail or operations, we're allowing people into the park in this way. If we do this, this is a domino effect that then actually knocks on to something that could happen in food and beverage later on. Um, so I think, again, that goes back to giving them that that bigger bigger picture of what's going on in the company and for them to think that actually we are all one team and what someone does in one department does have a knock-on effect and impact onto other departments as well. And I think that's really taken place by opening the business up a lot more. Um, Historically, we were quite closed off as an organisation. 
and I've been very big on getting the staff out, seeing other attractions, getting speaking to other people in other attractions, finding out how things um, you know work in other other parks, other businesses, and I think that's really then enabled us to open up a lot more. Um, and we've done that also through uh, being members of Belper as well, which has been quite a key point of being able us to open up the business a lot more and experience the team to experience things outside the company as well. Yeah, so peer learning is one of the things that I'd love to explore a bit more because I think just going back to what you said about those organisational visits, you've got a few team members that are really active on LinkedIn. So I see a lot of the things that, that you do yep. as an organisation and I'm, it's really impressive. So you do strategic team visits to other attractions to look at how they're operating, how their attractions are running, you know, what events that, you know, that you even go to some of their events and see how they've been yep. put on and I, and that comes back to this whole thing about the sector being really supportive and collaborative with each other, um, because I, I mean that never used to happen in my in my in my world in agency world. It's we, we are far, far more open now than we ever were. But I couldn't imagine, you know, ten years ago, me rocking up to someone else's agency and going, "Could I just sit in on your team while you work through this project and see how your project management process works?" <laughs> Be like, yeah. no, piss off. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it kind of it. it I would be yeah, able yeah. to do that to a number of agencies yeah. that I know there. They'd yeah. be really happy to share. But it feels like it's kind of always been that way in the sector for for attractions. Do you, is that the case? Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, that was one of the biggest things that shocks me uh, coming into a new career was actually you can go and ask people for help and ask them how they do things. And they're more than willing to share the challenges and issues that they have, but also sharing the solutions to those problems as well. I mean, when I worked at Lloyd's, I can't imagine ever walking over the road to Matt West and going, hi, can you explain to me how you, you do this? They'd be no, like, no, bugger off. But right? it's the same <laughs> problem, right? Yeah. And that's, yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. It's the same. You all will have exactly the same problem. So working together to solve that problem surely helps the greater good rather than... Yeah, it, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm and everyone has you. the same problems. They just have it on varying scales of economy. So we might have it on this scale. You go to a bigger park, they've got the same problem, just magnified by 10. Absolutely. But you mentioned Balper, which I know is an incredible organisation uh, that your members are. Yeah. How has being kind of a member of that organisation, what's it brought to the attraction and, and to yourself? I, I think it's really been transformational for the attraction, myself and the team. Um, I think having a organisation that the business and individuals completely immerse themselves in from a learning standpoint is, is so valuable to me. Um, I think it's almost like a a black book, well, it's a black book of other attractions that you can you can gain access to for their knowledge, experience, processes, and procedures. Um, and as someone that came into the industry having not worked in it previous to that, I found the organisation so valuable in terms of my own personal learning and the learning of the of the site as well. Um, so as, as an attraction, we've massively benefited from being members of Balpa. We hosted the summer conference um, this year, which was a big deal for us. So the, uh, everyone Balpa came to the island and they spent a day at uh, Black Game China, Robin Hill. And we hosted a gala evening dinner at Robin Hill, which was fantastic. And that was great to show it off to peers and people within the industry and for them to kind of understand about what we do. Because obviously, yeah, I go along to a lot of events with a lot of the other team and we're all sort of banging the drum about the company, but it's great for people to come and experience that firsthand as well. Um, so I think it's, it's helped broaden the profile of the, the business and also the individuals within the team as well. Um, I think that's been brilliant for the team's uh, personal development, um, but also really for their, their learning. The fact that there's, there's people in the organisation that you can go and talk to about everything from 
ticketing strategies through to mechanical issues you've got on rides or the fact that people are so open that you can ring them up and say, hey, I've got this issue with this. How do I fix it? I'll bring this chap. He's the person you need yeah. to go and call about this. Or I'm a bit stuck for this spare part. Yeah, phone this person. They'll be able to get it to you quicker. It's, and everyone's so supportive and willing to help each other. It's quite amazing to see, as I said, coming from a space where it was the complete opposite of that. Uh, it, it's brilliant to be involved in an organisation where, you know, if if all the attractions are winning, the space is winning and the industry is winning. Um, and, you know, I think everyone's mature enough to realise that we've all got our own individual niches and we're not all competing against each other. So actually by helping each other and people having amazing experiences across all attractions, it just just benefits the industry as a whole. Yeah, completely. It, it just comes back to that whole working in partnership and uh, partnerships yeah. and not in silos again, doesn't it? Um, you mentioned about people. This is the other thing that I really want to talk about because you've got brilliant people that work at your organisation yeah. and, and you call them superstar people, which I really love. Um, I guess Balper is one of the things that you've put in place to kind of help them because, like you said, other team members, not just yourself, can go along to these meetings and they can benefit from the, you know, the peer-to-peer learning that you get at those at those events and actually just the networking from, you know, not even just, yeah. you know, I've been to a Balper event and, I, and what struck me about it was, the knowledge that was shared at that meeting was was so it was so authentic and so transparent actually that you got a lot from just the talks but actually you get even more from just networking from people that are in the same position as you at a different attraction again have those same kind of challenges and same kind of things that, that they need to talk about and being able to just have them on speed dial you know is <laughs> so beneficial yeah, yeah. um what else have you kind of put in place to help develop some of your superstar people there though so as, as you mentioned, I think uh, the team going along to Balfour events has been a big, a big thing for them. Uh, I think when you're doing your day-to-day job, you're running at 100 miles an hour. It's quite hard to sort of benchmark yourself against other people in the industry. And I've, and I've noticed that when team members have gone along to Balfour events, they sort of come back with a sense of, oh, you know, I, I could hold a conversation with someone from a bigger park. I'm competent at knowing, you know, what I'm doing, which you know, I know that they know that. Uh, but I think that helps reinforce confidence within them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think they're, they're fantastic spaces for developing the, the team's personal confidence. And as you said, their they're, they're wider personal network as well and, and knowledge and understanding. I mean, we've seen some of our, our team members, Laura, who's one of our superstars in our marketing team. She did a keynote speech on Christmas uh, at the Balfour Marketing oh, Conference. Oh, it was brilliant. Which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And it was so good. I was so proud to see her go there, deliver that. You know, she'd been in the office working hard on it and then just to stand up and absolutely smash it and see people's reactions to, to her explaining about that, that, that piece was, was just, just brilliant. Um, and, uh, James, who oversees our site and services, he's due to do a talk on, um, the install of our new rides at the Thanks. latest, uh, Balfour Health and Safety conference that's coming up as well. Um, so I think it's just, it's brilliant for the team, uh, to be able to, be on that platform and, and develop themselves as well. Um, other things that we, we, we do in an organisation as well, I think it's, I'm really big on giving the team space to be able to do their job safely. Uh, I think it's, it's good to allow them to give them the space to, they're the experts in that area. I very much see my role is overseeing that and making sure all the pieces are coming together. But, you know, quite often I will say to them, guys, what do you think about this particular thing or how should we approach that? Because ultimately they're the, experts within the business within their chosen fields and i'm big on giving them the opportunity to be the experts in those areas 
Um, I also think it's great to spend, uh, uh, take some time out to learn more about them as individuals and their roles and their interests within those roles as well. So, for example, when Laura joined the business, um, we went on a two-day marketing course together. Um, it was a, a conference that she wanted to attend. Um, but I said, you know, I'll go with you. I'm keen to learn more about the, you know, in-depth elements of, of marketing. Uh, and I think it'd be a good shared experience for us. Uh, and I think that then just enables the team to feel actually I'm interested in their department yeah, and how yeah. they work and operate. And I think you know, there's always something that you can learn from from everyone that you meet and interact with. Um, so I'm, I'm big on doing that. And then the final thing I say is really let them be a star in their area and promote that. Um, I mean, the example of Laura with the uh, marketing conference talk was was brilliant. You know, it was great to see her on stage representing the business but also you know the spotlight was on her and it was about her in that moment which was which was fantastic I think that's that's really good when the team feel like they they can be superstars in their own arenas of of their their chosen fields I love that I I I remember that talk really vividly it was it was really heartwarming actually and it was there was a really personal element to it as well and you could see how much she was connected to the subject matter that she was speaking to as well this is something that we talked about prior to, to to coming on today about how you've kind of supported your team as well as they kind of move through, uh, you know, their careers and they move through what they're doing at the attractions. And one of the things that you've really helped them start to develop is their personal brands. Yeah, such a hot topic. It's one I love talking about. Um, <laughs> it's something that I've really tried to to do as best as I can over the last kind of I think just prior to the pandemic actually I kind of started to think about you know what is it that I want people to remember me about? What do I want those, what, do, what what's important to me? And I, if I've got a platform, how am I going to use it to talk about the things that, are, that I think are important and, and, and that other people should, should hopefully find as important as me? And I think what you've done there is kind of facilitate that for your team, which is really lovely to see because everybody, like you said, is, is working as, as a for the whole of the organization but they all have their own kind of individual specialisms how have you kind of helped people or encouraged people to develop their personal brands what are the kind of things that you've done there i've encouraged them to get out there engage with other people uh engage within different networks um i think linkedin's a great tool for that as well uh, i think the team all do lots of amazing things every day that we all see and know that they do. Uh, but, you know, I'm big on encouraging them about shouting about that. Yeah. Um, I think as, as general British people are quite sort of, you know, we don't like, they like self-promotion too much. They like talking about ourselves too much. And I think um, having Laura, to be fair, join the team uh, earlier in the year, who's, uh, who's big on her LinkedIn content and big on talking about what's going on out there has really sort of helped the, team and pushed everyone forwards with um with doing that um and i've really encouraged them yeah you know you might not think anyone's going to take value from the content you're putting out or discussing that but actually they will do because it's probably someone somewhere looking at that thinking "Mm, yeah how do i overcome that problem or i've got a similar ride to that that we're just in the process of refurbishing maybe i can reach out to them and find out how they're doing that um so really believing in themselves and that they are really are superstars in their area um, and they should be promoting that and talking about how great they are in the businesses that they work for. Have you seen that encouragement kind of help with some of the team's own self-confidence as well? You know, that they're, they're, they're kind of braver about putting themselves forward for certain things. Yeah, yeah, massively. Uh, 
James, who oversees both of our sites from a site and services um, viewpoint, started off within the maintenance team on one of those sites, uh, and he's worked his way up through the through the business. Now he's responsible for health and safety across both of them. He oversaw the install of our new ride, which went in at the beginning of the year as well. Uh, and it's been fantastic to see him grow and his confidence grow and develop within that. Uh, and now he's been asked to go forward, as I said, to do a talk next month about that ride install going ahead, which will be his first sort of public speaking gig. Uh, and I'll be very much there to support him along with that as well. So it's been great to watch the team develop and grow along along with that and their confidence as well. That's really lovely to see. Well, I think in the past it's been um, people probably haven't wanted to highlight certain people. Do you, do you know what I mean? They're like, oh, we do, we, yeah. we, if we put these people out in the world, other people might steal them from us. But I think, you know, you, you have to develop your people and you have to let them shine in the roles that they're in because they'll, do, they'll just get better and better and better and better. So it's, it's really lovely to see that you're encouraging that. I think it's such an important part of, of running a successful organisation now. Yeah, and I think, I think the team are... Uh, happier from that I think if you give them the freedom to go out and experience other attractions and speak to other people at various different levels of organizations they feel happier where they are I think if you kind of constrain them and say oh no we can't allow you to go speak to these people we can't allow you to go and visit them because they might poach you or they might (laughs) offer you a different job then they're going to be thinking oh actually maybe the grass is greener on the other side this is not the company for me after all (laughs) yeah 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 exactly exactly um and I think you know there's nothing wrong with them being having their own personal brands uh within the wider brand of of the business I think that's good for them yeah I think so too it's really brilliant to see what you've been developing there right I would love it if you could share some top tips for our listeners we always get our guests to share top tips um three top tips on processes and people development that you'd encourage other attractions to adopt uh my first one would definitely be and I've already mentioned it but get your team out visiting other attractions can't express enough how much they'll learn from those experiences I think if you set it out in the right position to say, okay, guys, we're going to go and visit this event. This is what we're going to be looking for. This is what I want us to take back from that. When we come back, we're going to have a clear debrief to go through key learnings of that and how we're going to implement that into our business. You can still obviously have a great, enjoyable experience. You know, that's that's one of the best things about working in this industry is, you know, getting on an R&D trip, but getting to go on a couple of roller coasters <laughs> and get scared, going through scare mazes or whatever else you're going to, uh, going to, going to be doing. Uh, I think it's great team building as well. Uh, it's great for the team to go and see that. And what I find amazing is it can be anything from, you know, the way uh, a site manages its waste or the layout of a queue line or oh, actually I like from the way in how this person upsold this ticket for me. You know, there's so many things you can you can gain from that. I think when you're going into an attraction, looking at that from that perspective, I just think it's it's brilliant. And there's no kind of training course that you can send anyone on that will deliver that value that no. they get from going and experiencing it firsthand. I'm just laughing at the excitement about waste as well. Like, yeah, we could see how they process their waste. That's that is exciting. That would be that that would be something that uh that James would probably come back to uh to say to me. Uh but that's what I mean. That everyone of the team's interested in different things. So you know it's it's good. When you do on this topic of the visits do you always go to places that are quite similar to yours as well? Or do you do visits that are like in complete contrast to what you do as well to see the difference? Uh, we'll do a bit of both. So probably a good example is when we set up our Halloween event over October, uh, when we very first did that, um, we went to visit Tully's Farm, which was uh, sort of in our eyes as the, 
the gold standard of, yeah. of, of scare attractions. The first time we went there, we just went to see what is it as an attraction? How does that concept work? The overview sort of headline of that. Um, and then over the years, as we've developed Terror Island, which is our um, Halloween event, which we run here over October, we've been back to Tully's on, on numerous occasions. We've had Stuart, who runs that, come down to the site as well. And we're then looking at that from a different perspective. So then we moved on to, okay, how do we look at improving throughput? How do we look at improving guest experience? How do we look at upselling F&B? Where are the entrance and exit points of the mazes in relation to the broader site? How's the actual site laid out? So we're then going back and looking at it in a sort of more detailed layer of that. Um, but no, as a team, we'll go to, you know, much larger parks, much smaller parks, um, because I think there's things you can learn from all different sizes of attractions. Um, yeah. We went to Hobble Down last year, which was an interesting um, experience. And we saw their, their water pillow there. Um, and we actually put one of those into Robin Hill this year, which, one of, which was one of our most successful uh, attractions. So, you know, the, the guys there were fantastic at explaining about the pros and cons of that attraction, which then enabled us to make an informed decision as to whether to purchase one of those or, those or not. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's things to be learned from all different types of, of attractions if people are going to them with the right mindset of thinking what am I going to learn what's the objective here of, yeah, yeah what's the what's yeah. the takeaway cool okay great yeah. so that's top tip one top tip two would be celebrate personal wins for the team and then let them be stars in that moment um I think when someone in the team does something really well and they've achieved something it's really important to broadcast that to everyone let everyone know about that and let them shine in that moment and for it to be about them as an individual, not so much about the company as a whole. You know, if it's them in that moment and you know, you want to make them feel valued and positive about whatever the experiences that they've achieved. Nice. Good tip. And then my third one would be let people make mistakes in a safe manner and learn from it. I think um, you know, in in a working environment, people are quite often aware when they've made a mistake or something's gone wrong. Uh, they don't need someone jumping up and down <laughs> you don't and need screaming. anyone telling you <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you know when you're like oh that didn't work I know it's not worked well um, but I, I think allowing them to to make mistakes in a safe controlled manner that they can then learn from because I think quality people understand when something's gone wrong and they equally understand how to fix it and put their hands up and say yeah that's happened but we're quite quick to acknowledge that and move on to how we're going to resolve it and not allow that to occur again excellent tips Okay, as an organisation, what's your biggest opportunity and also your biggest challenge as we head into the winter months? Because I think you're coming to, do you close over over the season? Do you close down? Yes, so Saturday is our last operating day and we close from November and we're in March. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Gosh, you really are coming up to the end of the season. Okay, yeah, yeah. so what's what's your biggest opportunity and your biggest challenge as we head up, head into that time? Uh, it was quite a big challenge and opportunity for the companies that we um, made a difficult decision to put one of our sites on the market um, and we're looking to sell Robin Hill. Um, so that'll be the biggest challenge and opportunity for the business in recent years, to be fair. I think it presents a great opportunity for the business to double down and invest further into Black Gang, which is 180 years old this year. So it's a big birthday year for us. Incredible. Uh, and I think that will enable us to be here for another 180 years. Not that I might still be around at that point in time <laughs> you certainly won't look like Mark Wright at that point <laughs> no no no, no. <laughs> look like a very aged Mark Wright uh but I think it's the it's the biggest challenge um for the team and for myself personally as we as we reshape the business and pivot into a into a new direction but I equally think it's an 
exciting one to see what will come out from the other side of that as well. It is exciting, isn't it? I guess um, I, I can imagine that having two parks to oversee can be a stretch at some times in terms of resource and also in terms of strategy yeah. and, and, and how things work. Because I guess that they work similar, but 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 different. So, yeah, I can see that as a huge opportunity and something to um, I guess it's kind of a nice thing to focus on for the start of the new season as well, that that's kind of progressing. And then you've got this really big opportunity to focus on on this one thing and make it as, as the very best it could possibly be. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the team have really taken to it. They're really passionate about driving Black Gang forwards and are very excited about the changes and the plans we've got for the next year and, and coming years as well. So it's been well embraced by them. Good. And I guess you're ending the season on a high as well, because we talked to a little bit about your Halloween event, but it has been a really successful Halloween event this year, hasn't it? Yes. Yes. It's gone down really well. We made the uh, Sun Top 10 events um, for Halloween attractions. Um, so yeah, it's been, been really well received. It's a personal favourite of mine. Absolutely love it. It's been a complete passion project um, for the team and it's, you know, the team are always up for every event we do, but this is one that they really get behind and are in every possible conceivable bit of detail. Um, and as someone that never used to like horror films and hated being scared, I now absolutely love going through scare attractions and love scaring other people even more than that. Completely <laughs> <laughs> 360 for me as well. So you don't know what you like until you try it. Exactly. You just never know yeah. where you never knew yeah. where this role was going to take you, did you? No, when you started this, Dominic, you never knew you were going to end up as a horror fan. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm like, oh no, we need to make that person over there look more dead or how loud we need the chainsaw louder or that guy doesn't look scary enough. Yeah. <laughs> Way more interesting than ices and loans. I love it. A massive learning curve. And 180 years old. I mean, that is a phenomenal, phenomenal achievement. There, there, there can't be many other attractions that are that are coming up for that age. So this is really incredible. I think you've had a, a really brilliant year. Can't do this podcast without talking about Radio 1 as well, because um, so I, I've been aware of Black Gang time for quite a while but I think it maybe isn't isn't on the radar of many people because it's Isle of Wight so you know it's not yeah. it's not on the mainland but I was driving back from the gym one morning and I listened to Radio 1 I listened to the Greg James uh, breakfast show on Radio 1 in the mornings and they were doing this thing where they had to find one of the presenters and all the presenters were hidden up and down all over the country and um they were talking about the Isle of Wight and they said they kept saying Black Gang China. And I was like, they're talking about Black Gang China. I need to, I need to <laughs> let Laura know. I need to pull over and let Laura know. I mean, obviously, she already knew that, that you were being talked about. But I think how many times did he say Black Gang China? It was a lot. It was a lot. I think it was over over 50 times. I mean, my my phone was going mental with people imagine. ringing me up and texting. Oh, mate, if you've got the presenters in, in, in the... Because it was because we have an area called Area 5 with large animatronic dinosaurs and they thought they we'd hidden them down there. Uh, and they were like, God, you're really good at keeping a secret. I can't believe you haven't told us this. And I'm like, no, honestly, they're not here. I don't think anyone <laughs> actually believe me. Well, clearly no one did. They <laughs> kept ringing up radio wants to talk about it. But no, I mean, that was a great bit of um, bit of brand profile for the business. Uh, and I guess sort of showed that people were associated the element of dinosaurs to the park as well. So that that's that's obviously positive for us. It was really good press. Even if you didn't have the presenter there, it it, it, it was absolutely brilliant. I was, yeah, yeah, I was, it was, was, it was fantastic, yeah. Um, yeah. And then everyone was almost like they should have been here. They should have been here. Yeah, we should. We, yeah, yeah. we need to get Greg James back over, don't yeah, you? Yeah. I mean, he said it yeah. enough, so you should get him there for a yeah. visit soon. Um, Greg, if you're listening, come down. 
I mean, I'd love it if Greg listened to this podcast, but it's it's highly unlikely. <laughs> it's highly unlikely. But if you are, Greg, would you like to come on? I'd love a chat with you. Uh, I, I'm just around the corner from Bishop Stortford. That's where you were born, right? <laughs> we could be friends. <laughs> um, Dom, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been brilliant to chat today. Um, we always end uh, the interview by asking our guests to share a book that they'd like to share with their listeners. So something that you love can be work-related or it can be personal, whatever you fancy. Uh, well, I was going to think about saying the highway code so people can understand how to overtake cyclists greatly. Um, <laughs> but I won't. Uh, my favourite podcast at the moment is a podcast called Big Fish. What? Um, that's presented uh, by Spencer uh, Matthews. Hang on. Oh, sorry. It's my second favourite podcast. Yeah. Wow. Goodness. Okay. My, se- my second. Well, obviously, ones that I listen to after yours. Thank clearly. you. Well recovered. Once, once I've listened to the latest episode, I move on to Big Fish <laughs> after that. Sorry. Say it again. Big Fish. Who, who's, who's it by? Uh, Big Fish uh, by Spencer Matthews. Uh, he used to be on Made in Chelsea, I think, and now owns a company called Cleanco. Um, uh, which is a non-alcoholic alcoholic brand, which is quite interesting. Um, but I like it because he interviews lots of CEOs and business owners. It's got a bit of a sports mindset focus to it, but it's also very much around the culture in those businesses, how they've built the businesses and the challenges they face within them as well. So it's quite, quite an interesting one. I like the sound of that. I listen to quite a lot of podcasts like that. All right, it's I'm going to put Big Fish on my list. Well, there you go. Um, Listeners, you can't win a, a copy of this podcast because I can't give it away. But I encourage you to go and have a little listen. Maybe it'll be your number two podcast as well. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, Don, thanks for coming on today. It's been lovely to have you. Um, congratulations on 108 years and best of luck with everything that comes next. I think you've got a really exciting new chapter that's about to start. And maybe you'll come back on in a year or so and tell us how it's all gone. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you very much for having me. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Skip the Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip the Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese, a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.